0: Welcome to Dog Training Disrupted by Upward Dogology, where I retrain your brain and introduce you to the world of cognitive behavioral therapy for dogs over the age of six months. So why isn't Upward Dogology mainstream? Why are the industry experts not aware of it? Partly because I have only recently began my journey into spreading awareness on it. And as you know from episode one, I've been focused on developing and implementing Upward Dogology on a grassroots level. And partly because many industry experts and those with influence in the industry have a personal requirement for methods to be scientifically proven. What is scientifically proven? To scientifically prove a methodology such as Upward Dogology, there are three criteria. One, it must be applied repeatedly or for a length of time. Well, this is covered in episode one where I talk about my learning journey. I have hundreds of clients every year for decades who prove its effectiveness, I also have 7,000 videos and hundreds of recorded Zoom sessions and loads of testimonials. My clients are more concerned about it being effective, non-aversive, and different than what they have tried. The second criteria, the subject must have the genetic makeup for the method to be effective. Thanks to science, we know that dogs' brains possess cognitive elements, and we know through dog cognition studies performed by scientists that dogs can think cognitively. In this episode, I talk about what cognitive skills are and how this relates to everyday dog behavior. Thirdly, the formula must adhere to a scientifically proven methodology. In this episode, I talk about the 10 principles of cognitive therapy and how upward dogology adheres to these and how these principles naturally incorporate larger concepts, such as taking a holistic approach, providing options. Proactively preventing unwanted behavior, the human-animal bond, and the importance of communication, emotions, emotional intelligence, and adapting our approaches to suit individual dogs. Industry experts are seeing the value in recognizing the importance of incorporating these approaches and larger concepts into mainstream dog training. Is this possible without also incorporating canine CBT? Mm -hmm. I wish I could hear what you're thinking. You can't see the words, but buddy, I'm listening. Just know that I'll never stay mad. You're still my good boy. Hello, I'm Billy Grimm, your host and successful dogologist for over three decades. Cognitive function refers to the ability to process incoming information. Cognition is your awareness of your surroundings using perception, reasoning, judgment, intuition, and memory. It includes making decisions, thinking and assessing based on thoughts and feelings. Feelings are commonly created by experiences. The ability to process and to react and your decisions on your reactions is derived from cognitive ability and their brain has the genetic makeup for cognitive function. So what are cognitive skills in reference to dogs? It's the ability for one to differentiate objects, Your dog can differentiate his home from other homes. He knows if he's going on a walk or whether you're leaving based on the shoes you put on. And based on that, he makes decisions. When you start heading home from a walk, he might meander or he might poo. When he knows you're leaving based on the shoes you put on, he could choose to lay down. They have emotions. If you leave, he might get anxiety or pissed off. And of course, they also love us. They understand object permanence. They know that you just hid the ball in the cupboard because you don't want to play anymore. And they know where the treat bowl is. They have memory, which is great because that helps with house training. And alternatively, they remember when kids throw things at them. They process and assess. A person with glasses and a hat and a face mask or some type of face cover can make assessments challenging. They can calculate and reason. They know if they stare at you long enough, you're going to get up and take them for a walk. They know if they steal a toy from their dog's sibling, it will entice the chase game. They watch you step on the foot pedal of your garbage can, so they know how to open it, and they make a choice, hopefully, to not do that. They know they have the option, and they choose not to do it because they know the behavior is wrong. They understand an action has a reaction. For example, they know growling keeps people at bay. They understand larger concepts. A home is where people live and feed them, and that's where they sleep. And one person might call them one name, and then when they get into a different home, they might have a different name. And they know a name is different than a command. So when we bring them into our homes, we need to respect what they know and how they feel. Cognition is a huge, big topic, but that's the idea of it in relation to everyday dog behaviors. There are many professions and activities and training styles that harness cognitive skills canine enrichment dog cognition studies agility training for therapy dogs scent detection dogs or police dogs these all follow formulas and harness cognitive skills but they're not intended as therapy or rehabilitation so the principles and applications are different although some of the general approaches and concepts overlap upper dogology has been tested on hundreds of dogs and we know that they can think cognitively and they have the genetic makeup to do so thanks to science. So the third requirement is that upward dogology must adhere to the principles of a scientific methodology. There's different resources that explain the principles of cognitive therapy. I'm going to use the 10 provided by Psych Central and the link to that is in the show notes. Keep in mind, these are for humans, but I'm going to refer to my clients and to dogs when I talk about them. Principle one. Cognitive therapy, or CT, is based on an ever-evolving formation of problems and skill sets. There's not one reason why dogs do a behavior, why they feel a certain way, why they act a certain way. This is why we need to take a holistic approach. The dog's perception that determines the behavior is a combination of his overall history, upbringing, Or specific event, learned behavior and his perception in this moment of factors that are stimulating his thought patterns. This is why I can't provide a generic answer as to what the platform skills are because those evolve and they're individual to each dog and it depends on what our goal is. Program is constantly evolving because there's constant changes and the upward dogology formula allows for that. Principle two. CT requires a sound therapeutic alliance, two-way communication. I do not send out generic information to my clients. I don't have a preset program. It's not like a class for puppies, for example, where there's a weekly exercises and goals that are predetermined, which is totally fine, but it doesn't adhere to cognitive therapy. I don't have rules. I advise based on the information my clients provide and what their goals are and what the dog is like. It relies on feedback and that means I have to know how to ask the right questions to get that information and that's what the formula allows me to do. Communication and bond is not only between myself and my client but also my client and their dog. The first part of the program establishes skills that create a bond and change the dog's perception of them. This is very important. The human-animal bond is not only a beautiful thing but it's essential to creating a way to calmly communicate, teach. And understand each other. I believe everyone listening to this podcast has experienced dogs having emotions and emotional intelligence. There is the core, that's the heart of CBT. Dogs feel emotions and they make decisions based on their emotions. I not only believe it, I experience it every day with dogs and with my clients. Dogs love Upper Dogology because it respects their feelings and recognizes their intelligence. Principle number three. CT emphasizes active participation. This is why feedback is essential. It seems obvious to state that application is required. It's probably required in all forms of rehabilitation and training. But with CBT, the actual implementation creates changes that then determine the following steps. These changes, which I often can predict just because I've been doing this a long time, but I'm open-minded to whatever my clients get back to me, The dog needs to go through this process. This change is his mindset and his perception. So it actually needs to be applied so we can see these changes. The dog needs to participate and so do the people. So this is different than just ticking the boxes when a dog can complete an exercise. Principle number four. CT is goal-oriented and problem-focused. My clients tell me their problems and their goals and the program is individual to them. Having said that, The goal could be to proactively prevent problems we know are common. For example, changes during the adolescent stage or problems associated with integrating or rehoming a rescued dog. The exercises are designed to decrease behaviors commonly associated with change in environment, whether that's a new home or going to a new place or even a car ride or a new person. Principle number five, CT emphasizes the present. The behavior may be provoked by an event that happened in the past or just simply a a checkered upbringing, but the perception and mindset is the now, and that's what's important, and that's what changes and evolves. So when a client asks what they should do in a certain situation, that answer is going to change in the first week to the second week to the third week, partly because the platform exercises develop and change, and because these exercises change the current thought patterns and perception. The dog has different skill sets, so we can use that. We can be more creative and advance at the pace of the dog. Principle number six, CT is designed to educate. And again, this sounds quite obvious or basic. I mean, don't all methods require education? But because CT requires application and creativity and is always evolving, it is essential for people to understand how to apply it on their own. They don't need to know how to do that for everyone's dog or for every problem or goal. But for their own dog, they learn how to do this. My clients go through stages on this. They might start out like a deer in the headlights and then this light bulb comes on. They literally see their dog making good choices. They see changes. And as we continue to work together, I see changes in them, in my client. They start telling me what and why their dog is doing. And they answer their own questions. They learn how to prevent problems and address behaviors. It becomes a way of communicating, a relationship with their dog, a way of relating to their dog. It's not just simply fixing a problem. Principle number seven, CT aims to be time limited. The upward dogology business model has always been a one-time fee. I've never understood working with a dog, aside from puppy classes, on a time limit or an hourly rate. My business model in the early years was dissed by industry experts. They said, no, no, you can't, you can't do that. But my clients have always loved it. And it works when you're working with cognitive behavioral therapy. It allows for two-way communication and to work at the pace of the dog, to not rush to the end goal. Having said that, my clients are amazed at the quick results. I see it all the time, especially with anxiety rehab. We often never actually address the anxiety. Often my clients never see the unwanted behavior again after our first session, and then they can wean off the exercises, and if there is a relapse, they can go back to the platform skills and they know, through education, how to do that. Simply by applying basic platform exercises, we decrease the length of time required for a decompression period, or also what's known as the dog to become comfortable and adjust in the home. This is important because dogs are often returned to shelters or rescues if the acclimation period is too long and people don't see progress or they don't feel a bond with their dog. We cannot put a time limit on the integration period and all dogs are different, but people need to see progress. They need to have patience, but productive patience is so much more effective. We need to provide them with the skills that allow them to initially integrate the dog and address change in behavior throughout the life of the dog. I'm going to take a little short, quick little music clip here just to break this up a little bit and then we're going to come back with 8, 9, 10 and then I'm going to talk about a few other points. Well, thanks to the Jeff Murdoch band for that great little music clip. That's awesome. Principle number eight, CT is structured. All formulas have structure. That is what a formula is. In the first episode, you probably heard I'm not a fan of structure or terminology, but I love CBT because it's flexible and adaptable and requires creativity. That is why rescued organizations and clients who all do things differently like it as well. And it's easy to learn. When I provide information, I adhere to the principles of CBT, and there are four steps which I talk about in another episode, and Upper Dogology adheres to these. For example, if we cannot find success or we are challenged in a certain area, we simply return to an earlier step. There's no negative reaction in CBT. Teach it easy, apply to hard. It's interesting that a structured formula allows for flexibility and to work with each dog individually. Principle number nine, CT identifies and evaluates dysfunctional thoughts. It addresses the reason, and by that I don't mean the history, such as abuse or neglect, but rather what is the dog's goal? What is the behavior achieving in their mind? This is determined by their perception, meaning the behavior is never wrong. It may not be what we like, but we cannot tell them that their behavior is wrong. Their perception is what it is and the behavior is a result of that. So we need to change the perception of the need to do that behavior to achieve the goal. Sometimes we do not know the reason. Is the dog lunging because he likes dogs or wants to keep them at bay? The upper dogology formula allows us to learn the goal and provide options. Providing options in behavioral rehabilitation using CBT is different than providing options in, for example, canine enrichment, because the options are not presented, such as a blue toy or a red ball, but rather the dog chooses on his own to change his behavior based on his change in perception. We do not rely on reinforcements to encourage or discourage these decisions. They are completely the decision of the dog and is our responsibility. To provide the skills that allow him to make that preferred choice. Interestingly, you are applying CBT when you get your partner to take on a chore or to agree with your suggestion by making them think it was their idea and they're happy to do it. That is CBT at its finest. Finally, principle number 10. CT uses a variety of techniques to change thinking and behavior. Before I even knew this was a principle of CBT, I understood that techniques are a part of upward dogology. They are a part of an entire methodology, and these are in my book. Many methodologies have different techniques that's not exclusive to CBT. The techniques are different for puppies than for dogs. The techniques differ depending on the reason for the behavior. If the dog pees in the home out of spite versus peeing out of anxiety, such as separation anxiety, versus that of a fearful reaction to a certain stimuli such as thunder or a guest coming in. Techniques also include simple points such as body disposition and tone of voice, which is different for different dogs, and these change even with the same dog as that dog matures and the behavior changes. To create that necessary bond between the human and the dog, it is important to recognize individual dogs' thought patterns. Harness their cognitive skills and appreciate their emotional intelligence. Understand their emotions. Recognize what is important to them and provide them with the tools to change their perception. This will change their thinking and change their behavior. You may have noticed throughout these 10 principles, I talked about concepts or approaches, such as proactive prevention, a holistic approach, human-animal bond, communication, Learning from the dog, providing options, not focusing on the negative behavior, work at the pace of the dog, teach it easy, apply to heart. Industry experts are trying to incorporate these concepts into mainstream dog training because they see the value in them. The challenge is to do this while continuing to remain under the conditioning methodology umbrella. Wouldn't it be easier simply to incorporate CBT into mainstream dog training instead of approaching it as trying to fit the principles and approaches into conditioning methodologies. It's okay to recognize and appreciate their differences and their similarities, and to accept the limitations inherent in all methodologies, based on their principles, goals, and intentions. The dog world continues to try and find solutions to keep dogs out of shelters and off the euthanasia table. I achieve that goal every day, yet my reach can only realistically. Be so far. Changes to mainstream dog training are urgently needed. Please talk to your veterinarian or industry expert you refer to for the most updated information and talk to them about Upward Dogology. I welcome positive interest. hope you enjoyed season one and found it helpful and interesting. By collaborating with other experts and influential people in the industry, I've learned what is important to them and what their goals are. Prior to this, all my information, experience, and knowledge came directly from dogs and clients. I still remain loyal to clients and dogs. However, I wanted to make the information valuable to all listeners. I hope I accomplished that in this revamped season one. Thanks to Danielle Borgiard and Jeff Murdoch Band, Open Strum, and Brian John Harwood for the music. Please share these episodes and follow Upper Dogology on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And on LinkedIn, I'm Billy Groom. If you have any questions or comments, please email me at billy@upperdogology.com. At Again, I appreciate your support and all you do for the dogs. Enjoy your learning journey.